welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 18 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So last we left off, 2nd Lieutenant Maria Ross had just gotten absolutely roasted by Colonel Mustang, literally in this case, and Major Armstrong has seen fit to take Edward Elric off to Risenbull. So as it were, the Major himself isn't fully aware of what's going on, he was merely given orders. So it just so happens that he's um, met with one of the lieutenants under Mustang's command. So it seems like, sly dog that he is, Mustang has arranged something. You know, we can only hope that he is in fact on the up and up, but... I don't know, he, it's hard to guess at this point. You know, he did incinerate Lieutenant Ross, who was seemingly framed, and he did come into conflict with the Elric brothers, but at the same time, he is ostensibly working against the corrupt elements of the government that are sort of condoning all this stuff. Alright, so the plot thickens a bit more. You know, they're traveling out into the desert. The same desert that uh, Ling Yao had crossed. Now, if my memory of previous events is correct, this would in fact be the ruins of the ancient civilization Xerxes. And I believe there's been a fair hullabaloo about it before in that it was sort of just destroyed overnight. Now, given that a fair bit of Full Metal Alchemist is sort of analogous to real life, I would say that Xerxes is basically a stand-in for 
the ancient Roman Empire, or ancient Greece. So even more interesting, Xerxes was destroyed in one night, there was one survivor, and that sole survivor is the person who taught the Amestrians alchemy and the Genies alchemy. So if for no other reason than, you know, alchemy seems to be a direct product of Xerxes, it seems like a really darn important place. And considering how the whole thing is little more than abandoned ruins, one would think it would at the very least be a site of archaeological exploration or otherwise academic interest. I do find it interesting that everyone's sort of skeptical about the legend, as as well they should be, you know. Xerxes was supposedly a highly advanced civilization for its time, and for any civilization to be wiped out overnight is indicative of something truly terrifying. You know, I, I almost hate to go there, but I feel like the obvious analog would be like a nuclear bombing. You know, something with the magnitude of power necessary to level a city in an instant. I mean, that's probably not what the author was going for here, but that's sort of what sticks out in my mind. So this is a nice twist here. As it turns out, Mustang is much more cunning than everyone gave him credit for. The second lieutenant is not in fact dead, she was just hiding out in Xerxes. Alright, so we're even getting a nice little flashback indicating precisely how Mustang came to the conclusion that Ross was innocent. You know, it's good to see that everybody sort of made the same deductions that we, the audience, had sort of been led to make. You know, they just sort of announced her guilt, leaked it to the press even before an actual formal trial happened. What's more, even Barry the Chopper sort of advocated for the second lieutenant. You know, at this point, even though the source is an infamous serial killer, Mustang has concrete evidence that the second lieutenant is innocent, and so, you know, this displays that there's an active conspiracy to sort of snuff out this whole Hughes investigation. So, he's doing, I think, the highly intelligent thing. You know, he's sort of playing along with it and setting up a counter-stratagem, as it were. So, you know, 
I think he's assuming here that everybody would assume that he's let the matter drop if he had personally killed the person they had framed. And so it's an interesting maneuver in that it will both give him cover to continue covertly looking, and the guilty party will simultaneously sort of drop their guard when they assume Mustang is no longer after them. You know, it would be a real win-win move if he didn't have to kill someone, but fortunately for him, he doesn't, you know. He's managed to produce some sort of a facsimile for the human body, one that, once sufficiently incinerated, would be able to fool a coroner. Now, it strikes me that that's really no mean feat, but I guess when you scorch something down to little more than charcoal, what can a coroner really do, you know? And the colonel's really not wasting any time just throwing her in the, uh, the dumpster. <laughs> I mean, I guess he can't afford to wait, given the circumstances, but that's rather, uh... Not very chivalrous, for want of a better term. So it's interesting that, uh... Ed Elric's arrival on the scene was a bit of an unforeseen circumstance. And in retrospect, you know, I really could have uh, thrown a big wrench in the plan if Mustang wasn't content to appear as though he were a heartless monster. I also find it interesting that they've sort of um, tapped the uh, the tourists from Sheng to sort of do their bidding. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, they could do that in exchange for letting them out of prison. You know, that would be a nice little exchange. Alright, so indeed, Mustang is in fact planning several steps ahead here. You know, this wasn't merely just a gambit to get the second lieutenant off the hook. The idea here was to, uh, catch the actual culprit. And in this case, the homunculi we're aware of seem to be sending the, uh, the physical body of Barry the Chopper animated by something, you know, we don't know what, to sort of take care of business. That is an interesting wrinkle in that, you know, it implies the possibility that Alphonse could have a body somewhere animated by something. Man, Barry the Chopper really isn't very good at keeping secrets, you know. He's not good at keeping himself hidden. He sort of spilled the beans on elephants. You know, I hate to say it, but this, uh, this serial killer soul-bound into a suit of armor probably can't be trusted.
So this is an interesting moment of seemingly doubt for Edward Elric, you know. A whole bunch of people have gotten caught up in what is essentially the crossfire of their doing. So, like, what can you do? You know, if you give up at this point, everything was in vain, so you have no choice but to continue forward. It's nice to see his resolve sort of, like, congeal and coalesce into something solid. Especially considering how broken up he was about the lieutenant colonel. So, I find it interesting that the lieutenant is still, well, not a wanted fugitive, but uh, rather dead. So, she's going to have to sort of take refuge in Shing for the time being. You know, we haven't really seen anything of Shing, and I don't believe we will at any point in the future, which is kind of too bad, but I can kind of understand it. If nothing else... It's nice that the lieutenant sort of got out of this alive and relatively unscathed. And I do like that little speech she gave, you know. The colonel had saved her life, therefore... Her life is the only possible fitting repayment in order to help the colonel. Well, I guess that's equivalent exchange when you get down to it. You know, I've gained a little bit of respect for the old man, Fu. You know, he, he goes out of his way to remark about how honorable the lieutenant's compatriots are. And he seems to be personally seeing to her passage to Shing and getting settled. So once again, all this coded language seems to indicate that something's about to uh, go down. So it is interesting that Barry sort of intervenes to protect his body even though it's uh, definitely malicious. I find it very interesting that it has this sort of animalistic quality to it. You know, it sort of like runs and moves on all fours and snarls like an animal. One has to wonder what precisely is inhabiting that body that would make it act in such a way. You know, obviously it's not 
Barry's soul, but who's... Who or what soul could it be? So it seems like Havoc is under the assumption that they'd be better off outside rather than in a confined space. And, you know, I guess I can kind of agree with that, considering they're using guns and this thing is content to fight up close. I'm by no means an expert, but I do know that if you're using ranged weapons versus melee weapons, uh, a certain amount of distance is your friend. So, you know, we finally get, I guess, a little bit of insight into why they call her Lieutenant Hawkeye, if that is not, in fact, her actual name. Oh, dear. So, perhaps interestingly enough, Barry didn't realize it was his body right away. You know, I have to wonder how long he's been in that metal husk to not immediately recognize himself. He also seems pretty certain that there must be like a lab animal or something in his body now. So back in Xerxes, there are some plot threads coming together here in that this alchemical circle that's been partially destroyed in Xerxes bears a remarkable similarity to something in the fifth laboratory. And even more interesting is that uh, a whole bunch of Ishvalans seem to be camped out in Xerxes and they are uh, rather hostile, perhaps understandably. So I guess fortunately for Edward, he's, uh, I guess he's going to get out of things the easy way. You know, fortunately this old crone seems to be willing to not cause trouble. Oh dear, I feel like the plot's about to get really thick all of a sudden. You know, a whole bunch of these Ishvalans were injured during the war. And they were, uh, tended to by Emestrian doctors. As fate would have it, in all likelihood they were Winry's parents. So it seems through virtue of, uh... Edward knowing the rock bells, he might really get out of this. Oh dear, he's asking the tough questions now. 
You know, obviously they were both casualties. The answer's not a good one. You know, in Edward's position, I can absolutely understand why he had asked, but at the same time, sometimes it's better not to ask questions you don't want to know the answers to. You know, it seems pretty clear that the Ishbalan, the ungrateful Ishbalan, as it were, who killed the Rockbells, seems in all likelihood to be Scar. So, you know, if that particular plot thread weren't thick enough, it certainly is now. You know, it's sort of setting up this whole motif about getting revenge and all that, and the cycle of revenge, because these Ishvalans were content to sort of hold Edward for ransom, but the crone interceded saying, you know, an Amestrian doctor saved me, so we're not going to be doing that. Sure enough, the choice is eventually going to fall to Winry. Will you kill your parents' murderer, or will you forgive him? So, you know, for all his, um, relatively good points, Barry really is unhinged if he's considering chopping up his own body just for the fun of it. I mean, it's sort of understandable in that his own body is rotting. But at the same time, I would think just putting it out of its misery would be the better option rather than taking the time to hack it up and have fun with it. You know, that's a little morbid. Oh dear. So, Hawkeye is uh, in a bit of a bind here as well. No, one of the homunculi has seen fit to sort of attempt to take care of her, and uh, her odds don't look too good.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.